How many here consider yourself a normal person? We're talking about prayer for normal people. That's talking about you and me, because we're all normal people. So today I want to start out with a word that maybe you haven't heard before. It's the word secession. Not succession, like one thing after another, but cessation. Root word is cease. Secession is, is the idea that something has stopped. There are a lot of churches, the church I was raised in, uh, openly believed they were secessionist, which means we believe in spiritual gifts, but they have ceased. We read through the book of Acts and we see spiritual gifts in operation, but they have ceased. They don't work today. In other words, God doesn't speak to us today. He did back then, but he doesn't today. And they base that upon the Apostle Paul said, when that which is perfect is come, then spiritual gifts won't be necessary anymore. They will cease. So they believe the Bible is that which is perfect. The Bible is perfect, huh? Think about this. The Bible teaches spiritual gifts. The Bible models spiritual gifts. The Bible encourages spiritual gifts. But it says they don't exist anymore, so it's irrelevant. I got a problem with that. I think the Bible is the perfect Word of God. But I think we have some elements that are missing that we need to seek out. So I just want you to know right up front, I am not secessionist. I believe God still speaks to us today. So I want to, we're, we're looking at this um, 21 days of prayer and we're looking at P-R-A-Y. We're looking at these different letters. And today we're going to start with the P. What does the P stand for in pray? And I'm going to suggest that it stands for pause. If you're going to talk to God, you have to pause. You don't do it as you're running past. You got to stop. You got to cease what you're doing. You got to spend time with God if you're going to pray. So I want to share five aspects of that this morning, and hopefully, God willing, I'm going to be able to speak into your heart. We're going to see some motivation rise up within us for prayer, talking to God. Here, here's the first thing. God doesn't talk until we've turned aside. God's not going to speak to you until you sit down and pause, turn aside from your routine. We got to do this. Now, I'm getting this right out of the Bible. All of these points are out of the Bible. I believe the Bible has, is a, the perfect word for us today. Starting in uh, Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 2, this is the story of Moses at the burning bush when God spoke to him. There the angel, verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. When God saw that he had gone over, King James Version says when he had turned aside, he saw this bush burning up on the mountain. 
That's unusual. But it didn't burn up. It just kept going and kept going and kept going. And that got his attention. So Moses said, I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to go up and I'm going to check that out. I'm going to see what's going on here. Why is this thing burning and it doesn't burn up? God doesn't talk to you until you turn aside. So God began to speak to him. I wonder what that voice sounded like. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to have been there and heard God actually speaking? I wonder what it sounded like. Was it a deep bass voice with some reverb in it? Did he, uh, did he have an English accent? I wonder. I don't know. Nobody knows. Because nobody in this room has heard the audible voice of God. But many of us have heard the voice of God. I mean, you just know it, that God has spoken to your heart. You see, the burning bush is not the pattern. It never happened again to anybody. That's not the pattern. The turning aside to see, that's the pattern. God will give us lots of things to catch our attention. Divorce papers will get your attention. Facing bankruptcy, that'll wake you up. Finding out you just got a bad report from the doctor. Yep. That'll get you to turn aside and get serious. Does God have to get serious with us? Or wouldn't it be nice if we could just turn aside, be quiet, listen, and have God speak to us? We got a choice. We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. It's our choice. We have to turn aside from our own interests. See, I, I have interests. I, I, have, I have a family that mean a lot to me. I have a wife that means a lot to me. Sometimes she questions that, but she means a lot to me. <laughs> I have a career, a calling I intend to pursue. That's important to me. But sometimes I have to turn aside from my routine just spend some time with God, some quiet time with Him. And God uses, as I said a moment ago, various tactics to get our attention. Stop it. Okay, here's the second thing I want us to see. You got to step into the kingdom of God. You got to step into it. Are we in it? Are we out of it? You see, here's what we need to understand. We are, there, there are two realms. Let me read this scripture first, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first, first, top priority, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, we spend our time in this world chasing after things. We've got, we've got to get a job. We've got to make advancements. We've got to get promotions and get commissions. We've got to advance. We've got to move ourselves forward. We live in the world system, and we've got to have money to pay the bills to live in the world system. There are two dimensions, the world system that we all live and function in, and then there's the kingdom of God. It's another dimension at the same time. Jesus lived in both dimensions. He was not only the son of man, he also was the son of God. And he functioned down here in this world, and he also functioned in the kingdom of God at the same time. Did you know you can do that? 
The problem is most Christians are so focused in the world. We want to make a good impression on the world, yes. But we ignore the kingdom of God. And if we want God to speak to us and God's favor to be upon our life, we've got to be functioning in the kingdom of God. There are rules in this world. It's called the sciences. Biology. There are rules. You can take a course in biology and you're learning the same thing thousands of other people are learning. You're getting educated on biology or any of the other sciences. Science simply tells us how this world works and functions. The kingdom of God also has rules, but they don't make sense to the sciences. So in the educational system in America, they have completely ignored the knowledge of God and focused all on the knowledge of the world, the sciences. You and I have to be different. We ought to be different. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We ought to be different than the world. We ought to be wiser than the world because we're listening to another voice. I'm a, I'm a pastor. Could call it a minister of the gospel. But you see, the U.S. government doesn't recognize such category. They don't recognize religion. So in the world, in the world system, I am, according to the United States Census Bureau, when I wrote down on the census record I was a minister of the gospel, they don't recognize that. So they put me into the category of a social scientist. All pastors, no matter what denomination, are social scientists. In a sense, that's true, but that's more on the science end of things, isn't it? Because they recognize it's the world. It's the world system. But I want to function in the kingdom of God. So I have to step into the kingdom. My mind doesn't normally function in the kingdom. I have to make myself step into the kingdom. I have to practice these spiritual rules. And prayer is one of those spiritual things. It makes no logical sense. Wouldn't fit under any science category. But it works. We're hearing testimonies. All kinds of testimonies come back from just the first seven days of the 21 days of prayer. I'm excited about seeing what God's going to do yet in the future. He cares about us, church. John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. That's why, put your sword away, Jesus said. Put your sword away. My kingdom's from another place. You have to step into that kingdom. He's always knocking at the door, but we have to open. We have to respond to that. Got to step into the kingdom. Here's the third thing I want us to see about this idea of pause as it relates to prayer. You might want to write this down. Put the phone aside. Exodus chapter 14, verse 14 says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. We're Americans. We're doers. Give us a project. Give us a tool. We'll get her done. But if you want to step into the kingdom, you've got to let God fight your battles. 
I remember a couple years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, I did a funeral for somebody. Don't even remember who that was. But did a funeral, and they were related to our church, so we had a funeral dinner afterwards. So after we got finished at the cemetery, we came back to the church. We were over in the unity hall. Some of the ladies in the church were preparing a dinner, and uh, everybody came in. And before we ate, we had to wait till everybody got back because they trickled back from the cemetery. So uh, as people were coming in, they were sitting at these round tables and just chatting, catching up. You know what families do at those events. And, uh, and I noticed that there were five or six or seven college age, high school, college age, young people sitting around a, a round table. And they all had their phones out. And it didn't take very long before I realized with the sporadic interaction that was going on, they were texting each other <laughs> around the table. They weren't talking. They weren't really relating or catching. I suppose this is a, a, an element of relating. They were just focused, focused, focused. And I'm not just talking about young people now. Hello? You know what I'm talking about? Do you have a smartphone or does your smartphone have you? You have to decide who's in charge. And there are times we need to take this thing as much as it will do for you. But my son Adam one time said, Dad, 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 don't you understand what this phone can do for you? I said, no. I don't want to know. When you get my age, everything on this thing is a learning curve. It slows you down. I want to speed things up. And my phone doesn't help speed things up except a couple apps I've got. I've learned how to work them. I've learned how to work them. Now, that speeds some things up. Better get back to business. Where am I at? So smart. You have to ask yourself, does my smartphone simplify things for me? Or does my smartphone complicate things for me? Now stay away from the complication. Let's simplify things a little bit. We've got to focus on God in our life. Psalm 4.4 says, Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Have you ever done that when you went to bed at night and you're laying there trying to get to sleep and shut your mind down and stop thinking about all the things you got to do tomorrow? Just lay there and start reflecting on your relationship with God and ask if God has something he wants to say to you and be still. The one thing Satan doesn't want me doing praying is pray. So doesn't it make sense if I started praying Satan would want me to go to sleep? I mean, think about the logic behind that. Psalm 46.10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. So sometimes we need to pause. Just hit the pause button. Don't shut it off. Just hit the pause. Get away get isolated, which leads us to point number four. Come apart or come apart. I'm reading this from Mark 6.31 in the King James Version. And Jesus said to them, come ye 
apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. If you don't come apart and spend some time re- rebooting, and you're going to come apart. The stresses, the pressures take a toll on you, take a toll on your health, your mental health, your stress factor, which causes all kinds of health issues. We need seasons of break. We need seasons to just shut down. We need that. Is my time up? I'm looking at the clock. Am I looking at the wrong timer? Am I okay, David? All right. He gave me the okay signal, so I'm all right. We need seasons of break. This is in nature. This is in nature. Have you noticed when you walked out of your house this morning, got in your cars, did you notice all the trees around your house look dead? The leaves are all gone. It looks like there's no life there. It just looks like it's dead. That's because God has designed in nature this pause. Where trees, your grass, everything alive outside goes into a dormancy. Either it dies or it goes into a dormant state. It's rebooting. Don't ever think that tree is dead. All the sap, all the life in that tree up there just all drained down into the roots. And the roots are growing all winter long. Did you know that? They make fertilizer to put on trees and grass in the winter. And they'll grow. The, I, I actually had to do that where I had some new grass planted and it wasn't doing very good. So I put some of that fertilizer down for the winter. The only green grass around my house is right around that area. <laughs> it's growing in the wintertime. Sometimes you and I need to go into a, not a dormant state, but we need to go into a pause state. Shut ourselves down. God designed this in what he called the Sabbath. Yeah. Yes. You sh- thou shalt not work on the Sabbath. That was a rule. Because he knew they needed to reboot. They needed to be reinvigorated, restarted. You know what happened next after uh, Jesus told them, come apart? In a desert place, Matthew 6, 31, you know what happens next in sequence? What happens next in sequence is 5,000 people showed up and they're all hungry and they're out in the middle of no place where he's been out there with his disciples, hopefully on a vacation, getting himself rebooted. The next thing you know, 5,000 people show up and they have nothing to eat out here in the wilderness. And Jesus provides miraculously. How did he get that spiritual power to do such a thing? He'd just been in prayer. I think if you and I would discipline ourselves to spend a little bit of quiet time to get away from our busyness, I think we would see more and more miracles happen in our life, more and more breakthroughs happen in our life. If you don't come apart, you will come apart, so you have to rest a while, get refreshed, get rebooted, keep moving. Okay, here's number five. This is my last point. Seek a personal relationship with God. Amen. Revelation 3.20. Here I am. 
I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Fellowship. Coming in, sitting down, eating. That's what we call fellowship. Would you invite anybody over to your house and not get out something for them to drink or to eat? I mean, that's the cultural thing to do, isn't it? Get out some cookies, get out some chips, get out the pop or whatever you drink around your house. Isn't that what we Americans do? We, we put food out. That's how we fellowship. That's how we interact with one another. Jesus knows that. He's talking in human terms. And he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you just open the door and let me come in, we'll sit down together. We will fellowship. We will relate to one another. That's what he wants, this personal relationship. The, uh, let me tell you this story. I, gotta, I, I realize I'm going mess with my time. Let me tell you this story. Uh, I was raised in a small church, as most of us were. Um, and in that church, there were a lot of families that interconnected as a family. There was real close relationship with one another. Um, <clears throat> but there was very little effort to reach outside the walls of the church. It was taking care of us within the church. There was just enough money to pay the bills. It wasn't enough money to do some big outreach where you touch people's lives. Nobody thought about doing that. That's not just the church I was raised in. That's every church in the town I was raised in. It's the same thing. Just enough money to scrape by. When I got saved, I got eventually connected, uh, uh, not really connected, attending a church in Fort Wayne called Calvary Temple. They had lots of people. Big church. Lots of money. There was no scarcity of resources to do all kinds of things. But what I saw in this church that pulled me in was a plan to put a lot of ministries together and pull everybody in the church into some ministry. They had a huge 200-member choir. They had all kinds of outreach opportunities. They had a camp up in Steuben County. All kinds of outreach, and they were pulling people in, and everybody was being discipled on how to reach out. And I thought to myself when I went through the training program there, I thought, this, this is the model I want to follow. I want to see everybody engaged. Everybody's involved somehow in reaching people's lives. I want to see us have abundant resources so we can be the kingdom of God. But when I found myself in ministry here in Waterloo, didn't take very long before I realized we're just like every other church. We've got just enough money to pay the pastor and, and pay the light bill and no money to do anything else. We had a good relationship of people, but we really couldn't do much because we didn't have the finances. And so I began asking God in prayer to move me to a larger community so I could pastor a church in a larger community that could be what... I thought a church should be. And one time I was praying, I, I, think it, I think I was praying at home, but I may have been at the church office, I'm not sure, but I was praying and the Lord specifically spoke to me. And I remember what he said very clearly. He said, if you will lift up your eyes and see the whole county as your mission field, then the dream can become a reality. 
And from that moment, it, something shifted inside of me. And I began focusing on the whole county and not just Waterloo. We called our, our motto, our motto became New Hope for DeKalb County. Our name was Calvary Chapel, but that became our, our motto. And God did not change my circumstances. He changed me. We spend so much time in our prayers for God to change our circumstances. But what he wants to do is change us, change you, change me, put us in line to what he wants. And if we'll do that, the rest is history. Here you are. And the dream has become a reality. We can do things now as a church. We can reach out. We can make an impact. We can make a difference in the world around us. Because God has spoken into our lives. We need to expect God to speak into our lives. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But we have to open. He's knocking. What you feel in your heart right now, that tug on your heartstrings right now on the inside, that tug you feel, that's God knocking on the door. You have to open the door. So let me just ask this question before we finish up, sing that final song. Let me just ask this question. Do you believe God speaks today? Are you a secessionist or do you believe God still wants to involve himself in the lives of people? It's a personal relationship. That's what I believe. Do you believe that? Are you opening the door? Because you have to open the door. You can listen to him knock all day long. That's not opening the door. He's not going to come in until you open it. So I'm asking the question, would you like to open the door to your life so that Jesus through the Holy Spirit can come into your life and make a difference? If, that, if that's you, would you raise your hand? I just want to know. It's between you and God, but I want to know who to pray for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I see hands all over here. Thank you. Thank you. Let's say this prayer together. You've, I'm going to give you the words. You say it after me. Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I want to open the door of my heart. I want you to come into my life. I want you to make a difference in me. I want to make a difference for you. So I'm opening the door. Come in. Forgive me. Guide me. Lead me the way I should go. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is so good. I mean, he's really good. He's really good. He's got a good plan for you. You say, well, I look at my life and it doesn't look like he's got a good plan. It's because you're not opening the door. Now you just open the door. Watch and see what God wants to do now that you've opened the door. Seek him out. Take a little time of pause. Hit the pause button. Step aside. Let God do his amazing work in your life.